Bibles, please, to the 139th Psalm. By the way, it just, it sounded like some good, cheerful singing that, you know, people were singing to the Lord and, and loving it. It blessed my heart. You were, you were drowning me out, and I'm loud. Anyway, the 139th Psalm. You know, there is something around us everywhere that we can't see. And it's electronic waves. Electronic waves are all over the place, but they are invisible. The way that we're able to talk on our cell phones to one another, the way that we are able to watch TV, the way we're able to listen to a radio in a car is because of these electronic waves. They are invisible, but, but the TV, just take for, take for instance, gives visibility to what's invisible, invisible. And there is someone that is all around us that we can't see. God is everywhere. His presence is all over. How does the invisible God become visible? Can, can we say by His glory He becomes visible? To say that God is glorious, when we say glory to God, it's so many times for something He does. We see something that He's done, that it could only be from Him. And so we say glory to God. The invisible God is made known in such a way as to be seen by His glory. And that's a, that's a very familiar point of the 139th Psalm, which is a portion of what we will look at tonight. Um, as far as God being everywhere, that's not all we find in this psalm. We learn a whole lot about God throughout this passage, throughout this psalm. You know, what someone thinks about God or has done about God is the most important thing in a person's life. Young people, when you go to meet someone... And they might be just as cute as can be. They might have the, the, just the most charming personality and, and all of this good stuff, just the color hair you like. But the most important thing about someone is where they stand with Creator God and what they think about God. What we think about God has an amazing effect upon our lives. What we think about God has an effect on what we think of other people, of this world, of sin, of faith. You know, you hear all kinds of religious stuff, and it all comes down to what someone thinks about God, and the list could go on and on. How about God's will? Not only God, but let's think about God's will for a minute tonight. When, when we consider God's will or talk about God's will, 
We might consider His plans, His purposes, and what He does for His pleasure. What we think about God's will affects who we are, who we become, what we should do. What shapes our life is what we think about the will of God. What determines the path our life goes down Depends on where we stand concerning God's will. The most important subject to learn, to know, to make sure we have right, is God. And the truth about God. And so, David writes here, and, it's, and it goes into such great, beautiful depth of his, of his contemplating of God. And being led by God in what he's writing, of course. And, and what we're going to see here tonight, there's a lot of things to see in this chapter. But what I would like for us to see here tonight is the encouragement that we have here to know God more and to have a right relationship with God. We are encouraged by some things we see here tonight to have a right relationship with God. And we're going to look at four things tonight that will encourage this right relationship. And one is, we can't fool God. We can't fool Him. We can't flee from God. We have the favor of God. And so we shouldn't fight God. Look with me in the first six verses. We can't fool God. David writes and says, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid Thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. We can't fool God. We can't deceive Him. He knows all. And He knows all about us. Everything. All of the time. One of the first words that David uses here after addressing God is a word that we need to use to God all the time. And that word is searched. This speaks of an examining. It, it comes out of care from God that, that He would search us. And, and though it's His loving care that would have Him to search us, it, it can be painful sometimes. Not painful just to inflict pain, but pain that would be for our good. You know, we see one another on the surface. But God sees deep, deep down in the heart. He sees the heart. There's no way... To fool God. Adam and Eve tried to hide from God. 
and it was unsuccessful. They, were, they couldn't do it. Cain tried to fool God or brush off his responsibility with his brother Abel. But he wasn't able to do it because you can't fool God. We could go into some of David's circumstances where he thought he just might be able to brush off an issue and, and, and avoid talking to God about it as if it were going to go away. And David was unsuccessful and so were many others that we could uh, talk about. They all discovered they couldn't fool God and God knew everything about them. He doesn't just have a general knowledge of people and place people in these broad categories. I, I had a neighbor in the past and, and my neighbor said, I believe in God. I believe He's the God of this universe. I believe He's busy with the earth and all of the universe and He's too busy for all of our little drama, and He does not keep up with our everyday lives, but that could not be more distant from the truth. Because He knows everything about us. Where, where it says here, in the, where, where is it at? In, in verse uh, 3 maybe? In verse 2, at the end of the verse, He says, Thou understandest... My thought afar off. This speaks of a precise discernment that God has over our lives. I've heard a statement several times. I've made this statement several times. I, I needed it several times before it penetrated me, so I'm probably going to say it a lot. And that is, God knows us better than we know ourselves. I don't know if you're anything like me. That, that takes some absorbing to be serious about and to think about that. That is true. God knows us better than we know our own selves. We can't fool God. We can't hide anything from God. But God could actually hide something about us from us if He wanted to because He knows more about us then we know about us. But, but He doesn't do that. He wants to reveal to us who we are, what we are. He wants to reveal things that we don't know about ourselves to help us. To help us to grow in Him. To become more like Him. To be cleansed. As, as David makes a request of here. He knows us better than we know ourselves. In verse 3, we see the word composist. It's a word that means that, that God breaks down area, every area of our lives for examination and testing. And when we look through this chapter, we see that this is true. In, in verse 4, uh, it speaks of God knowing every word. What does it say? For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, Thou knowest it all together. Every word of ours. God hears it. God, God knows it. We not only see that in, in, in verse 4, and, and not just what we say, but why we say what we say. 
who we're really saying something to. There's a lot of indirect speaking today done about people, and, and He knows who we're speaking to. He knows why we're saying something, and He knows what we're saying. Verse 14 teaches us that we are distinctly made by God. He says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. But, but we not only see that, but in verse 23, David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. A full examination in every area of our lives comes from God. And it's for our good that He would do that. And we need to be like David and ask Him to. It's good for us. It can be a painful search when God searches our hearts. But David welcomes it here. David asks for it because it's very profitable. It is, it is very advantageous for the child of God. It's a whole lot better than trying to fool God. Now talk about painful. Trying to fool God ends up being painful. God knows our address. God knows our actions. God knows our attitudes. God knows the avenues of life that we're on. God knows the avenues that we are tempted to go down right now. Hebrews 4.13 says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight. Listen to this about trying to fool God. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him. We can't fool God. Not only does God see us and what, when, why, what, how we are and everything about us, but He knows what is best for our individual lives. You know, a parent will treat their children different because the children are different. The parent wants to bring the child to the very best place and... And though it's based on the same principles and same truths of God's Word and things like that, there's a little bit of a, a different approach maybe and a different way that that happens. And, and, so, and so God knows our lives and He has the very best for our life, the very best that our lives could possibly be. It's God who can take us there and only God and He is individually interested in our lives and knows in such a way and has the ability to take every single one of us there down His path. His guidance, it is tailor-made for every child of God. His hand is upon us in special ways to direct us to His best for us. Do we think that we could come up with something better for our lives than the One who created us, the One who made us, the One who's all-knowing, the One who knows us, again, better than we know ourselves? He wants the best for us. He has the best possible path for us. His plan is the best. That that persuasion from God in guiding us 
It's protection for our lives. Some people think about God and all of the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots and, and everything we find in, in, in Scripture of, of principles and, and Christian instruction and the things that we're to do and, and all of this. And one thing you can sum up about it all is that it's to protect our lives. Our lives can so easily be destroyed. The weirdest things come to my mind sometimes. I remember a cartoon when I was a kid. It was Inspector Gadget. And he would read the, this message and it said, this message will self-destruct in like three or five seconds. And sure enough, that thing would just... That our lives will self-destruct without God. As a matter of fact, in, Jer in Jeremiah, let, let, me, let me grab this verse that just hit my mind in Jeremiah 10.23. It says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. Let me go on. O Lord, correct me, but with judgment. Not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Wow, that, that's wise. To know, to know that... The Lord can direct our lives better than we can direct our lives. The doors are being changed out here in the church, and, and I'm about to be on a mission to look for a little sign that, that Brother Rick gave to me years ago when I was working with teenagers a lot. And, and it's, it, says, um, it says, hey kids, move out now while you're 18 and you still know everything. God has the very best plan for our lives. And He can carry it out. We can't fool Him. Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. I speak to some people who have quite the intellect in human wisdom. And they want me to explain everything about God to them. And I tell them, I can't do that, and I'm glad I can't do that. I wouldn't have a God I could explain everything about. His ways are past finding out. I, I say we trust Him. I say we trust Him and the plan that He has, that He says is best for all of our lives. Jer Jeremiah, a familiar verse to us all, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not, an evil, uh, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Summarized in a little comment, the Lord says, I have the very best for your life. I want the very best for your life. I can give you the very best for your life. Now, I don't, I don't think, I don't think uh, we ought to fool God. Try to fool God. We can't fool Him. We have an encouragement here to a right relationship with God. Let's be thankful that He knows us perfectly and He's drawing us to His perfect plan. But not only can we not fool God, we can't flee God. Look, look with me in your Bibles as we read verses 7 through 12. David says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? 
or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. When I kind of tried to stray off on my own path and in whatever way, not a huge big deal, but I was a typical young man and and I know that I didn't do everything that my parents told me to do perfectly and they let consequences come upon my life because they loved me and they knew that consequences would teach me, but yet... I always knew they were there. If, if I was across Houston for three months, I, I knew my mom and dad were there as, as good parents. How much, how much better is God that, that we're not going to get away from a good father? The worst thing that God could do is leave us alone. And he doesn't leave his children alone. You know, I, we kind of summed up how foolish it would be to try to fool God or, or run from God. But, you know, that, but now that we think about him knowing us better than we know ourselves and, and for us to know the measure of what we are in the flesh, our motives and, and our secrets and, and to, to learn that God knows us better, you know, that, that could make someone want to run, but there's no way to get out of the presence of God. You think of someone who drops out of the Lord's church because of whatever. I mean, I wonder how that's going for anyone who, who drops out, who, who goes to step away from God. Somebody said, if God seems distant, guess who moved? It wasn't God. And so there might be a little distance, but we're never going to get out of the presence of God. Every road away from God is a dead-end road. Verse 8, he says, If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And, and of course, that's just speaking of the realm of the dead. That's not speaking of uh, Gehenna, hell, of course. But, but everywhere, God is. It, when we... If we die, God is there. Even in a sense initially for the unsaved. Because every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I'm telling you, God is there. He's there. No one can run from Him. Sure, people will be separated from God for all eternity. But, but, but the knee's going to bow and the tongue's going to confess. You know, we can't move fast enough to get away from God. There's no place dark enough to be able to get away from God or, or hide from God. It's, it's just not going to happen. He loves us too much. And He's, he's 
passionate about confronting us with His glorious plan for our lives. He wants to walk us through a blessed life that He has set up for us. We've been looking to learn from the example of Solomon in Ecclesiastes. How about Jonah? How about Jonah trying to run from God and how futile that was for him? When, When God's people think that there is such difficulty they are finding in God's will or in God's house, and, and, and it seems to be what they would call bad, and then they run away from God. Things will only get worse. Man, that's so good to think about in the midst of difficulty. What, what are we going to do? Where are we? we can't flee God. We, we can't fool Him. We can't flee from Him. The psalmist says in the 23rd Psalm in the 4th verse, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. We can be forever thankful that we can't flee from God. You know, some people say it feels like God's not there. That word feels can be used in such a dangerous way, in such a dangerous word. I could could say I feel that way sometimes, but that's not what we base our lives on. We base our lives on the Word of God and what the Word of God says. Well, this didn't happen to me and that didn't happen to me and I didn't feel this whenever I... uh, got saved or had someone save me or the way some people want to talk about it. Do you believe the Word of God and what it says? It tells us how to be saved. And, and we, we lay our salvation upon the Lord because we do everything He says to be saved. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we realize we're a sinner and that Jesus died for our sins and we place our faith in Him. And the Bible says that He saves those who will come to Him. We can't fool God. We can't flee God. Another encouragement to a right relationship with God is that we have the favor of God. If you want to hear something really sweet, listen in for the next several verses. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. We have the favor of God. He's always been there. 
in the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. He knows us before the miracle of Him making us. He was there at our beginning. Our beginning started because of Him. We are made in His image. We are made for a specific plan, for a special purpose, to, to be created in Christ Jesus and to walk in works that God has before ordained for us. And, and we do that in this body that, that He gave us. I don't want to get off track, but God has made no mistakes in making you and I. And He knew us before He ever formed us. He is the expert in that area, and He's got it all covered. He formed us. He made us. People are depressed about who they are today. People are depressed about what they look like. People are trying to change things about themselves that God miraculously made us to be individually. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. The creation in the womb is to be marveled over. It's a miracle. It's not to be murdered. It's not to be made over in any way whatsoever. We can't do anything better than God, can we? He made us. That includes Him forming us in, in, in our physical life, as well as everything we are within. He deserves praise for forming us. He has forecasted our future for our lives. He has given boundaries upon our lives. The length of our life and what it is to consist of. The meaning He gives us and the ability to carry out what He has given us in life on this earth. He is to be praised for. We have an important life to live. And the way we find out about this life is in the Word of God. Our lives are important according to what God wants them to be, according to His plan. Too many are focused on what they look like or how they can change themselves versus focusing on why we exist. We exist for God's glory, the One who created and made us and formed us perfectly. We are, we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Marvelous are the works of His creation of us. Let us not lose focus on the, of the favor of God upon our lives. He's given us the body that we have, the blessing of a purpose, and the boundary of the days of our lives according to His perfect timing. I can't help but say this in a moment like that. God forbid we cut those days short. It, it could happen out of God's will long enough. 
that we would cut our days short upon this earth from what God had in store for the perfect days upon this earth within His will. In saying that, you could say a life in God's will on this earth is immortal until the day that He has planned for, to take us home. Preacher used to tell me about going fishing. He had bad health and he loved to fish. And he loved to fish alone. And everybody at church said, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't go out there by, my, by yourself. And he said, I have peace that if the Lord chooses to take me home from that boat, then that's the way it's going to happen. I was a baby Christian and I was, you know, I had that, but I, but I was growing into that confidence and, you know, in, in saying that. Just a, a moment I'll never forget. We're, we're immortal until God wants to take us off of this earth. Until we finish the course He has set up for us. Oh, what favor we have from God that we get to yield to our Creator, know His Son, learn His Word, be empowered by the Holy Spirit in this body that He's given us to live for Him upon this earth. A changed life that He gives us when we were saved. There, there, there are other desires of the flesh, but the desires of the Holy Spirit take over in us to live a life that God has in store for us. We have the favor of God so, should we fight God? We, we, we shouldn't fight God. God has enemies that fight Him. Look in verses 19 through 24. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Well, we can't fool God. We can't flee from God. We have the favor of God. All of these things encourage our right relationship with God. And, and it's foolish to fight God. There are many who do. In God's word we learn of those who do. You know, God in His word, He tells us who we are. He tells us what we are. He tells us why we are what we are. And God tells us what He did in His love to satisfy His holiness to make us someone new. And, and God the Father grieves over those who do not come to Him to be saved. The Son of God grieves over the hardness of the hearts of sinful men, we learn in the Bible. And Ephesians 4.30 tells us to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We need to be reminded to love the unsaved sinner that fights against God. But we also need to be reminded to have a holy hatred for sin. 
Psalms 97.10 says this to us, the children of God. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. In Amos chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Seek God and not evil. In verse 15, it says, Hate the evil and love the good. We all know what the end of Romans 12 says. It talks about providing things honest in the sight of all men. And it speaks of, As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Avenge not yourselves. If someone's hungry, feed them. If your enemy's thirsty, give them, give them drink. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. A common phrase many people use is, is hate the... Uh, uh, love the sinner, hate the sin. Or hate the sin, love the sinner. Whichever way you want to say it. You know, the more we, go, we grow in Christ, the more, the more both of those things happen. Both of them. We'll have a holy hatred for sin. We see here as David's talking about this business of that... That judgment is God's business. You know, you think about at the end of the Bible when we pray, even so come Lord Jesus. You know, that request that we're making, that is tied to judgment of the unsaved. You know, when, when we pray, come Lord Jesus, I have family members, I have loved ones, I have people I love who are unsaved or some who profess to be saved and and there's no fruit in their life, and maybe they're unsaved, and it burdens my heart, and it burdens your heart, and, and we love those people. But, and when we make that request, you know, judgment is coming in the lives of the wicked when Jesus returns. We're to pray, come Lord Jesus. We don't want anybody to, to be unsaved, but it's something that we leave in the hands of God. Because judgment is his business. And then, if you notice where it changed gears in verse 23, David closes this psalm with the business that he's responsible for. And the, it's the business that we're all responsible for. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And here we end where we began. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our heart more than we do. Jeremiah said, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? God knows our heart more than us. If we're going to be encouraged to a, a right relationship with God. This is going to be a part of our walk with God that we request of Him. Search me, O God, and know my heart. You know, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. The best way we do that is by opening up to the Word of God. The Word of God which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When we open the Word of God, 
it opens our heart to be searched by God. I love it when an unsaved person starts reading the Bible and they tell me, I've, I've been reading the Bible. Because when you, when you fool around with God's Word in a serious way, something's going to happen. You're dealing with a living Word that was made for our lives when we do that. It is good for us to meditate on God, on who He is, and have Him to reveal to us who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, where we're headed, what pleases Him, what does not please Him. We can't fool Him. We can't flee from Him. We have His favor. It's foolish to fight Him. Let us do like David and ask Him to search us. You know, there's a song we sing sometimes, Have Thine Own Way. I was thinking about some of those words to the songs we were singing earlier. When we sing, we sing to the Lord. And we sure ought to be telling Him the truth. We sure ought to be meaning what we sing to Him. If, if we sing and mean, have thine own way, then incorporated in our lives continually is going to be the request for God to search our hearts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. If there is, God's going to see it first. God's going to know it. And He loves us too much not to reveal it to us because when He reveals it to us, though it's painful, it's going to be profitable and it's going to make us better. It's going to encourage us and help us to a right relationship with God. David was taking his place and he was exalting God in God's place. How can we be convinced that that we mean it to make this request, that we mean it to sing the words, have thine own way, by seeing our need to ask the Lord to search us, to know our hearts, to try us, to know our thoughts, to, to see if there be some wicked way in me. Why not? We, we can't fool Him. We can't flee from Him. Why not ask Him? We need a right relationship with Him. If we trust Him and we know He loves us and He wants the best for us, we, we will ask Him. We will want a right relationship with Him and, and we will ask Him. The Lord is serious about us and we should be serious about Him. His Word is serious. It's always right. And in closing... As far as our hearts and God knowing us better than we know ourselves, people say they believe the Bible. Do we believe the evaluation upon mankind from the Bible that mankind is totally depraved? Because you'll hear in the, wor in the world that the human being is improving. That the human being can get better and better. But... That can't happen, not without God. The human being is totally depraved without God. 
you know, sometimes we try to encourage people that, that hey, yeah, you know, you can, you can believe on the Lord and He'll save you. He loves you. And we say those things and they're true. But I kind of want to say tonight, based on the evaluation of God's Word on mankind, have you ever seen, have you ever discovered that you're bad enough that you need to be saved? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I, it may be that some people coast along just thinking there's a spark of something in there that's good enough that of course God would accept me. But we got to have to realize we're bad enough to get saved. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why God took out that wrath upon His Son. It was, it was our sin, and He took our place. And He's searching hearts right now. And for every one of us in this room, God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what's going through our heart right now. If there's someone here doubting salvation in Jesus Christ, or you know you've never been saved, God is... He, he knows what's going on in your heart, and He's drawing you. If this is an uncomfortable moment, like I had some years ago, praise the Lord, you, you, you can be saved tonight if you realize you need Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We're going, to, we're going to have a time of a word of prayer, reflecting on God, who I can't get over it. I haven't said this in years, but I, this is about the eighth time now. God knows us better than we know ourselves. He is trustworthy. He, he loves us. He is able to give us the very best life we could have. He promises to do so. Let us pray. Father, we do bow before you again. We thank you for your word tonight, Lord. We thank you for the truth of, of learning who you are, Lord. And, and we all need help. Lord, we need help for a right relationship with you to continue in a right relationship with you. We depend on you and we need you tonight, Lord. And we thank you for coming to know more about you in your word tonight and realizing how much you know about us and all of the good that you want to do in our lives. Good according to heaven's standard, according to your standard, Lord. Thank you for loving us like you do. Lord, if there be one in our midst tonight and they do not know whether they're saved or not, Lord, or, they, or they've never called upon Jesus Christ individually and personally to save them, I thank you that you love them so much you're drawing them right now that they would be saved from their sins because we know Grandma can't, can't save us. We know that no person can. But, but you can, by the power of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was buried and raised again. We thank you for the good news of the gospel and the hope of salvation. And we pray these things tonight in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If everyone could please stand this evening. Page 544. This is your time to do business with God. Have thine own